The Start On Demand. As we've been hearing in the news with Jeff, and I suspect it'll be in our traffic reports as well, Maryland is closed to traffic between Ellis Avenue and St. Matthews. That's due to a house fire. We have a Global News. Uh, Abigail Turner is on the scene. We expect to hear from uh, Abby in the next uh, few minutes here just to give us an update on what's going on. Loren, what do you know? Just watched her finish her hit with Global News Morning and uh, the pictures from the scene. Uh, fire, uh, b- blaze, flames shooting out from the house and then also having to remember that it's extremely cold out there this morning and so you can already see all the water that's been used on the house fire freezing to the trees and all the rest and so we're waiting to hear if everyone got out of that safely um, and we'll update as soon as we have that information. Just a terrible time uh, any time of the year to have a house fire but at this time of year in particular to be displaced from where you live uh, if that's the case for anyone we can't confirm that but uh, are there any uh, human beings involved in that fire of course our, our thoughts are with them and their families this morning as they are with the family of Constable Alan Popes, who lost his life uh, in a traffic collision on Friday. The public being invited to his celebration of life at Bell MTS Place tomorrow. Yeah, it's a pretty um, big outpouring of support that they've seen over the last four days or so in terms of the public just sort of feeling connected to this. So many people have an RCMP officer that they know or a police officer in their life. But but more than that, all of us can relate to the idea of just losing someone important to you at any time of year, let alone now. And he's the father of three teenage girls. And so I, I have no doubt there will be an additional outpouring of support when that funeral happens. And, and we're going to hear more from uh, RCMP on how that will go and the kind of emotion that's been overwhelming, I think, so many folks within that community over the past few days. It's been 18 years since a member of the uh, RCMP was killed on duty in Manitoba. And, and I believe that Paul Maneg, uh, the RCMP, said that there were two officers within a couple of months. This is not a, a common occurrence, thankfully, in our part of the country. But I, I, I don't know. Have you ever attended? Have you ever covered uh, police the one that or, Paul, or firefighters' uh, funeral? Yeah, a couple of them. Um, some One here and, and, and then some in Ontario and the firefighters for sure, too. Uh, there's always a great outpouring of support. The one that uh, Manegra's referencing, the RCMP officer that was killed, I'm guessing it was Dennis Strongquill because I certainly remember that when he was shot and killed in near Russell, Manitoba, 19 years. Wow, hard to believe it's been 19 years. But I remember talking to his family years after that and just, you know, he left behind a little baby, a newborn baby, and then some grown kids as well. And just the wide sweeping impact of that and and how that death also changed things within the community too for different rules and regulations for RCMP. And so there's all sorts of ramifications from something like this. But uh, an, uh, an officer funeral, as tragic and sad as they can be, are a really beautiful, special thing to be a part of because it's a real uniting of a giant family to which we all are a part of, however we may have encountered police Mm -hmm. in our lives. And uh, if you have a chance to go to pay your respects, I'd say do it because it it would mean a lot to that family, I have no doubt. But also it's, it's important for you to see the impact that these frontline officers have in our community. We'll hear more from Paul Maneg uh, later on in about a half hour's time. In fact, uh, Richard and Julie uh, went down to D Division, just down Portage Avenue from us here at the intersection of Dominion and Portage, had a conversation with with Paul uh, yesterday, and uh, we'll play uh, about five minutes of that for you this morning. Very powerful. Uh, impeachment Day in the United States, there will be a vote 
today, and uh, we'll get the details from Reggie Cicchini to find out what's going on with that. That happens at 7.45. We have Bad Santa at 7.15. And uh, Life Labs. Never heard of Life Labs before, but to imagine that they had the personal information of 15 million Canadians was hard to believe. The fact that up to 15 million Canadians had their personal information compromised. Stolen, yeah. In the last several months, uh, also maybe even more so difficult to comprehend. Give me pause yesterday to think about all that information we just throw out there, right? And we hand over for any sure. health organization. It could be a police organization. It could be any, really any of your work and how we do courses all the time here at Chorus about how to protect uh, our information on our desktop, our laptop, our phone, and all the things they keep telling us to, to remember, and all all the things that we don't sometimes, and how easy it is for someone to take our information. And so I've got lots of questions about this, because what are the hackers after? What are they trying to take? And in this case, it sounds like they paid to get some of that information back or to prevent further thefts from happening so I'm basically I, just to just to get the data just to get the data and to let their computers operate again I know small businesses that have been attacked uh, by cyber criminals and there's a ransom right and if you want to be able to use that piece of equipment again if you want access to your files it's going to cost you right so they paid to get that data back and that's fascinating to me too because that's something you hear about but I didn't really realize was actually happening I mean ransomware there's a whole there's a whole program for it, right? But do you ever really think that you're going to have to hand out cash to get something back? Well, uh, we'll get you some more details on that coming up in just a couple of moments. And as well, uh, big punishment. I I'm confused as to why those two words are in the sentence surrounding seven months for shoplifting, fifty five different times, Loren. I think the community might be having a hard time wrapping their head around the fact that this is deemed a a severe punishment. Yeah, so this thief between 2018 and 2019 hit up dozens of stores, 55 different robberies. The punishment is seven months because he was arrested in August with time served. He will be out in, I think, 49 days, 48 days. And so that keeps him off the street for a month and a half. But we know chronic offenders are a big part of the problem for liquor store thefts, that it's repeat people going back in over and over again. The judge said yesterday they needed to and send a message that there's going to be a punishment to fit this crime. Our question is, does it fit the crimes, plural, many time over? Jeff Braun, Jeff Forche, you're familiar with. <laughs> I'm Greg Mackling, and of course, the star of the show is Loren yeah. McNabb. Here Loren I am. has been giggling all morning in anticipation of playing this clip. We'll save hers for oh, last. I was just going to oh. fire away. No, okay. no, we're going to save yours for last. Our favorite goofy Christmas songs, because everybody knows that there are, al- are alternative versions of every single Christmas carol out there. There are rock and roll versions, and then there are just downright silly songs. Yes. Jeff Braun? Agreed. The silliest in the room um, goes first. Okay. You got it ready, Jeff? Would you believe that? Well, I don't have it ready. I got it. Oh, you He's got, got it. it. I got, <laughs> I got you back, got Jack. It. <laughs> Would you believe that ACDC has a Christmas song? Oh, yes, and I love it, too. Write it down on 
on your Christmas list necessarily or declare it so publicly, but... I would l- I would like to know the story behind it. Like, I, it feels like some, one of them was just sitting at the table and like, well, what rhymes with Christmas that we could write a song about? <laughs> they, got, they get to that point in their career, right, where it's like, oh, we all we got left to do is a Christmas album. That's right. And we're done. Nothing says Christmas like ACDC. <laughs> <laughs> no, Kelly, I'm, I'm scrolling through the uh, audio files here. Did you put your ears in? Uh, the, I thought I put it in production. There. I see it now. I, yeah. There was another name first, and I'm looking at this name uh, going, uh, gotcha. he doesn't work for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, this is a, a, a song. It's kind of a parody, and it, it, it's a long, long song. But I'll tell you what, if you ever have the chance to uh, sit and listen to all five minutes and 36 seconds of it, it will be worth your time. It's a compound buckaroo holiday. Whatever you do, watch what you say. Is that George Strait? Rod Paisley. Well, that's okay. It's a completely non offensive and politically correct holiday. <laughs> so, over the course of the song, they can't sing Merry Christmas. They of can't course. sing Have a White Christmas. They can't say We Three Men because it'll be offensive to someone. Anyway, it, it, it is a hoot. Uh, I, I might even play that later today. Hal Anderson's not going to be with us, so uh, I've got to do, do uh, help Ka- Kathy Kennedy a little bit. Uh, That's five minutes filling. of gold right there, then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, so we might have some fun with that, too. I yeah. like it. Uh, Don says Twisted Sister has a Christmas song, Heavy Metal Christmas. I don't know if you've got that one dug up yet, Jeff Forche, <laughs> but what's yours? Mine? Well, you know what? I'm stuck. I'm, I'm stuck. I was going to... I heard bronze, and I was like, you know what? There's BTOs uh, taking care of Christmas. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, then, then I was also they thinking. They did. Did they really? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, I just closed it. I actually <laughs> closed it. No, but but I was also thinking about uh, Bob Rivers. He's kind of like the weird owl of Christmas songs. And uh, since we've been talking about edibles lately, he has one called Because I Got High. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. Just roll me another Christmas blunt. <laughs> I was gonna trim the tree oh. until I got high. Oh, no. <laughs> on the Aquaman song. Oh, boy. DVD, but then I got high. All right. All right. Okay, we're way over time here, so we're not going to be able to play mine, but oh, we have to play McNabb's. I'll just do it quick. And I, only because I want to, if people know what the song is. Two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> oh. Nobody? Yeah, for Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yes. Bobby Moynihan is on it. That makes me laugh every single time. Oh my god, I love that. No, Greg, it's not what you wanted. Oh no, I like it. I just wasn't anticipating that. Oh, the beginning of that song. Thanks, friends. Jeff Brown's next with Global News. Stuck in your head all day now. I don't know if we're going to get any comic relief in our next conversation. Uh, Serious times in the United States for President Donald Trump. Six-page diatribe yesterday. I don't know what effect it's having in Washington on Republicans or Democrats. That's why we have Reggie Giacchini, global news correspondent in Washington, standing by. Good morning, Reggie. 
Good morning. It's going to be a very busy day. What's happening about 10 minutes from now? 10 minutes, five seconds from now, the House is set to gavel in, and this is going to open up what is ultimately going to be uh, a day that history will look back on uh, that will likely uh, end with President Trump being impeached. We've got an hour of debate to go through to kind of set out the rules of the day before we get into the actual debate of the two articles of impeachment around 1030 D.C. time. So the vote comes later today, and you said would likely end uh, in a vote for impeachment. Then all signs are pointing to that where that goes. What next then, Reggie? Well, so, I mean, first we need to look at what's actually going to happen today with this vote. We say likely because at the end of the day, there are uh, there's no guarantee, despite the fact that we have a Democratic majority in the House. It's likely, but, you know, anything can happen over the course of a day of votes. But I think what we need to look at are these moderate Democrats who are in swing states where or swing districts where Trump won, but they are the Democrat representative in the area. And if we see them uh, siding with uh, Democrats like we expect them to do, that is going to be uh, kind of a a ground shaker because it shows that people are no longer fearing the president uh, when they're making uh, a decision that they say that they are constitutionally mandated to do. Now, once we get through all of these votes, it is eventually likely going to be sent into the Senate sometime early January. And that is where things are going to get very interesting because that is a house that is led by Republicans. Let's leave that aside because we'll have some time to talk about that. Should the vote go down the way and we anticipate that it will today, but that whole idea that these moderate uh, Democrats uh, might be might be going uh, in favor of impeachment. Th- this is part of Nancy Pelosi's quandary, was it not, in terms of deciding to whether or not to to start this process in the first place? The fact that politically it could be dangerous, uh, not necessarily for her personally, but for some of her Democratic colleagues. Absolutely. And not only that, for her majority in the House, there are people who are, you know, in very Trump heavy states. We just saw over the weekend a Democrat in a Trump heavy uh, district in New Jersey cross the aisle and become a Republican because he ultimately saw that he was uh, not going to uh, either make it politically or that he was going to end up being primaried and be pushed out of the race. And this is what Nancy Pelosi feared, uh, that some of the more junior people could potentially lose their jobs over siding with the Democratic Party and not falling in line with the president. But I think we've seen over the last several years the number of junior Democrats who are going after the president oh, saying that he's uh, done things that are import- uh, done things that are rather uh, improper. Uh, But I think now that we're seeing these Democrats fall in line with their party, with the party ideology, and with a growing support from the American public, I think that these these are Democrats who say, uh, this is what I'm constitutionally mandated to do, and I have to vote with my conscience, not simply by what the president is dictating. How's this playing out with the public, Reggie? He's only the third president in 240 years to go down this road of impeachment. Is it being treated with that grave tone among the public? Or is this another sort of part of the the theater, the extremes that we've seen in this presidency? Well, I mean, it's a split down party lines. There are Democrats who are on who understand uh, the nature of what's going on right now. They understand that there are charges that have been brought against the president by people who are uh, allowed to do so under the Constitution. And there are a growing number of people on the approach to plus 50 percent that believe that this is the way that things need to be handled. There is that other side, though. There is this Republican base of the president where they just simply read into that narrative that has been pushed to them for years now 
uh, that Democrats are simply out to get the president and they don't see the full understanding or they don't understand uh, the full uh, kind of gravity of the situation to what the president is being charged with because they've been told I did nothing wrong, and that base will believe whatever the president is saying. I don't know. I'm guessing you've read the six-page letter that the president put out on White House letterhead yesterday. Some people saying it was a massive projection on his part. Others saying, yeah, no big deal. That's just Donald Trump being Donald Trump. It takes a lot to move the needle on this conversation, doesn't it, Reggie? It does, and that letter was, was, was you know, amazing, for lack of a better word, because it, it was the president getting things off of his chest but not on a tweet on presidential letterhead coming out of the White House that simply looked like a six-page tweet with grammatical errors and, and factually, factual inaccuracies through the entire thing. I mean, look, the president in this letter was saying that Democrats were trying uh, to go for election nullification, which is simply not the case. The, the, the president was saying uh, how Democrats are trying to obstruct justice and how Democrats are being unconstitutional, despite the fact that it is their constitutional role to deal with impeachment. This was simply a president who was speaking to a 43% base that has not moved since the day that he uh, announced his candidacy in 2015. Uh, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, this, this letter doesn't do anything to move the dial politically within his base, within the public, within the party system. It just simply is going to be another mark in history where people will look back and say, this was what the president of the United States had to say the day before he was going to be impeached. Reggie Cicchini, thank you for this. We imagine you're going to be very busy over the next 24 hours or so. I know that vote is anticipated this evening, but it could be late in the night, could it not? Absolutely, it could be. I mean, this, the, the rules are roughed in right now. They're not etched in because we have six hours of debate that starts at 1030. But there are procedural motions that can stop the clock. There are challenges that can stop the clock. And there are what's called magic minutes that can stop the clock that ultimately give the leaders of the parties and uh, the, the Speaker of the House unlimited time to speak. So there's an opportunity for the Republicans to filibuster here with, uh, with uh, Kevin McCarthy, the minority leader. He could speak if he wanted to for 12 or 14 hours uh, to try and delay this. But ultimately, this will end up in a vote, and this will likely end up uh, the way that the Democrats want it to go. Sorry, did you just call that a magic minute? That's what they're called, magic minutes, because it stops the clock when the leaders get up to speak, and they have an unlimited amount of time to be able to speak. Well, that's quite the button to hit. Holy. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to press the pause button on this one, Reggie. Thanks, as always, for your time on this. Thank you. What is this? <laughs> Blizzard of Oz, baby. I thought I'd heard them all. I hadn't heard this till this morning either, and I, I just was dying. Oh, and it's actually not like, you think it's going to be some sort of evil Christmas no. song? No. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. Okay. All Hold right. on, we want to get to the billionaire thing. next verse here. This is great. That was your favorite, I think. So many kids out there. Santa must be a billionaire. Oh, good point. How does he have money for all the gifts? He's got the elves. Oh, I, I mean, oh, they buy it. They they make it. Oh, it's they magical. Make it. It's magic. Things get created if in that workshop. If you don't believe, you don't receive. Greg My mom Mackling. says that. Does she? Still yeah. Yeah. 
Your mom is a wise lady. That is the voice of uh, of a Winnipegger who's come home for Christmas, uh, maybe ruining the drama here of the setup I had to, to introduce <laughs> her, but I'll, I'll do my very best. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, and of course, as we head into the home stretch towards Christmas, very good chance friends and family are starting to roll into Winnipeg to celebrate the holidays. Chantel Desjardins is one of those, and Chantel, I don't know if this is true, but when I lived in the Okanagan back in the 90s, I don't know if this is still true, I had a travel agent tell me that Winnipeg was the toughest place in Canada to get to at Christmas time. Now, we've all lived away. Loren, you're nodding your head in agreement. Have well, you heard that it's before? Just, you can't get direct to Winnipeg. Right. Like it, it, you could be in Minneapolis, it feels like, which is eight hours south, and somehow you might have a flight through Regina. You know, it, And it can be cheaper to fly to Mexico for me from Montreal than to fly to Winnipeg. Down. Mm, I, my parents are on the West Coast. They say all the time they can go to Europe pretty yeah. much the same as they can come and to. And so I kind of have to weigh it, you know? Right. Go visit my mom, go sit on a beach and drink a mojito. Mm. So does your mom understand the sacrifices involved <laughs> in making me, the choice that you did? She'll make me a mojito when I get here. <laughs> <laughs> so Chantel is a television and radio personality in Montreal, stand-up comedian, and she's also doing a show in room, at Rumors tomorrow night, and she's right here on the start. So tell us about the show tomorrow night real quick. Let's get the plug out, All right. and then we'll do it again in yeah. a few minutes. Opening for uh, Charlie Demare, uh, mm-hmm. and I've got a ton of... It's so funny. When I posted that I was coming into town, people came out of the woodwork. Like, I had my high school teacher say they were coming, my piano teacher, a friend I haven't talked to since kindergarten's coming out, and... Uh, Is so- that harder? Like, to know that there'll be people depends, you know in the crowd? It depends if I'm making fun of them in my act. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll have to go everything. Wait a minute, got to get rid of the bit about my best friend. Well, there's and, actually, yeah. I don't do this bit, I'm not going to do this bit tomorrow, but there's, uh, when I got married the first time, uh, I came back here for a uh, my first ever um, wax, and it was a girl when I walked into the waxing salon, and it was my arch nemesis from high school. Oh, no. And so I wrote and you're a you're talking the wax. We're talking the wax, yeah. like the good bits. Yeah. And uh, for the next hour, like this girl that I hated in high school was waxing my good bits. Oh, boy. And so I wrote a bit about it. And, uh, wrote a bit she, about your bits. And then she showed up at the show. That is fantastic. So anyway, so that, that, that bit's retired, but I'm sure I'll make fun of someone else that's going to be at the show tomorrow. The word bits has come up way too much without talking about alphabets to this point in time. But I ha- have to ask you, Winnipeg... The audio that I've found in the video that I've seen over the years, you are very proud and fiercely Winnipeg. I love Winnipeg. Like, I will defend it. I'll make fun of it, but I'll also defend it to anybody that listens, you know? So it's a big part of my act. Tomorrow will also, like, I... You know, I say that I was I was married to I was married to a big boy who was from Winnipeg. Well, how about we play this? Okay, let's I pulled this. <laughs> okay, a little about me since you asked. Thirty three, divorced. I like long walks on the beach with my therapist. <laughs> so I'm from Winnipeg, and it's cold in Winnipeg, and I think I may have gotten married for the wrong reasons. You know, some girls get married for money and some for stability. I got married for body heat. <laughs> I think it's cold here. This is tropical compared to the prairies. You see a guy with a little belly fat, a little back hair, and you're like, ugh. You see that same guy at West? You're like, yeah. Insulation. You want to lock that down. I married a 300-pounder. It was like winning the jackpot. Then we moved to Montreal, and I'm like, it's not that cold here. So we got a divorce, which worked fine until the Arctic freeze this week. Then I'm like, maybe we should work things out. So these moderating uh, temperatures are, are just fine with you, Chantel. Oh, yeah. This is this is fodder. This is great for material. Uh, you're giving me food for thought here. I'm trying to think of all these couples now where I can you know match them up and be like, maybe that was for warmth. Maybe that was a warm decision, right? Do you... 
obviously comedy comes from who you are, right? Yeah. And the whole point is to make fun of yourself or your life or others or find humor exactly. in sometimes the not so fun things about. Well, I mean, that's a thing. Like stuff happens to everybody. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, it's whether how you deal with it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I make a joke out of most things. So and I find that's helped me kind of deal with the stuff that can be not as fun. And it's turned into some pretty good comedy. And people relate to that because that stuff happens to everybody. Now, when did you get into saying, like, I like? did you grow up and have people tell you you're super funny, you should be a comedian, you know, like, or yes. try to, yeah. Yeah, and- I was a class clown in school and my teachers used to, like, pull me aside and pull my mom aside and say, if only she used her power for good, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so then at some point, when did the light go off and saying, I'm gonna, I'm actually going to go on stage, though, because you haven't always been doing this. No, I got bullied into it. I uh, was on the morning show at, at Showman in Montreal and I was telling a story and the comedian was in the hallway doing a, like a, an appearance at one of the sister stations and he walks in he's like that was hilarious you need to come down and do this you know comedy class I'm teaching and I was like you can't teach comedy and he's like no but you can you know you've got a spark and you can teach comfort and you can teach you know you can get on stage and just get a feel for it so I went down I was dragged down there and you know did a five minutes in front of 20 other aspiring comics and loved it so I did this friends and family night every night for six weeks every Monday for six weeks at the end it was packed 200 people I was the most nervous I'd ever been and I'd done like hockey night in Canada like two million viewers and I was more nervous telling jokes to these 200 people hmm. I was backstage telling jokes into a plunger you know <laughs> crap in my pants I came back out and I did it and I killed it and I had two people come over and say like we'd like to hire you to do tell that exact wow. same bit at our corporate event I was wow. like whoa that wow. is fantastic there's a thing here well when Peg, people know you. You graduated from Red River, from the Crecom program back yeah. in the day. In the day. And we, you recognize your uh, lovely face from City TV, but also from Sportsnet. You covered the Montreal Canadiens. Are you kidding me? And that's when you and I <laughs> first started interacting when I hosted the Sunday morning sports show, getting insight from you on the Canadiens. So being in Montreal, I mean, the Canadians are an institution. What's it like being attached to that? Everybody asks you for tickets all the time. That's what it is. Winnipeggers will come to town and ask for a ticket. They want to meet, you know, anybody on the team. But it was great. It was. Uh, it is really a religion in Montreal. Like, mm-hmm. I, is it the same here? Like, I was gone yes. by the time the Jets came back. So. I think so now, but I, I don't... I, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to say, having been to Montreal too a few times and gone to some of the games, just a richer history for sure. But I do think that like worship at the altar of the Jets of the Canadians is pretty similar. And that's what it is. Like I I kind of feel bad for the guys because they can't go anywhere Mm -hmm. without people, you know, oh my God, you know, this guy's eating this at this restaurant right now, you know, and they don't, they don't, I mean, they're making millions. So it's too bad. Suck it up at one point. But like, also it is, it is a bit crazy. Like they can't go anywhere without people just kind of like following them around. So do you still do all these things or is now comedy full time uh, for you? So I was doing a morning show on breakfast television and then the show got uh, canceled a mm-hmm. couple months ago. So now it's mostly stand up and voiceovers. And then we'll we'll kind of see we'll kind of see from there where it goes. Like I just got hired to do an hour long like special for this company in March. So I need an hour of material between now and March. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of working on that between uh, I hear now online and then. dating provides all sorts of things, but you're married now again. So <laughs> engaged, that, that engaged. I still have time. You still have time to go check that out. I've heard some hilarious stories through that. So I think that that, you know, that's my tip. Go grocery shopping, that kind of stuff. Who, are, you, who are your inspiration? Like, who, who do you find funny? I'm a big Seinfeld guy. and I, I like I, Seinfeld. I like the observational comedy stuff, but that's very clean for me. Like, I like a bit, kind of a bit edgier, not like dirty, not like, you know, too over the top crass, but I like a little bit of edge. Like I like a little, you know, I don't know, something that kind of makes people go, oh, Mm -hmm. she said that. Um, Chelsea Handler was like an old school one that I used to, I used to really like Amy Schumer, kind of uh, her, her older stuff a little bit. I like that. 
Uh, Whitney Cummings is a little, uh, she's she's good too. Um, is she is Whitney Cummings too clean for you? No, no. I was going to say she's a bit she's a bit dirtier than I am. Oh, okay. Uh, too clean. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, wow, we're we're in for yeah. something. Do Do you think as a as a woman? Uh, that you have that advantage, say over a, a male comedian who maybe people are expecting to to cross the line. Do you think there's a, a bigger effect when a woman uses certain words in a presentation? Do you think it it forces people further back in their seat? I mean, I think because I'm not a dirty person, you know, like I come across as pretty clean cut and my stories are very clean. So if you just throw in a, you know, a random kind of one liner, the people are like, yeah, I do think it has more of an effect. Like if you you put if you put too many in, then it's not funny anymore. But if you put a few well-placed kind of lines, then I think it can kind of really add to something. Have you found that the those kind of that kind of comedy only plays well to a certain crowd? Or is it is it shock you the kind of people that might and by the kind of people, the places or you might go where you're like, I didn't expect them to think that well, was funny. I went did. I did a, a, an old folks home a couple of weeks ago and I walked in and I wasn't told it was going to be an old folks home. And then all of a sudden, everybody, the average age was 105. <laughs> and I was like, well, I, you know, they asked for this material, the organizers. So, so I'm like, I did it. And they loved it. Like oh, people were taking great. their teeth out and like, woo, hooting and hollering. <laughs> Honestly, my grandma every once in a while shares a joke. You can, and she writes, she has it written down, right? And she'll read it to you. And she has that look on her face, like this wait. Yeah. And, then when it, and when it comes out of like a 94 year old's mouth, you're like, that is that good. Is right like now. somebody so, should get all these seniors up on stage. <laughs> Gold. Maybe, yeah. hey, maybe the, the seniors comedy tour, maybe that's an entrepreneurial endeavor we need to get on. Why don't we take a break? We'll come back. We'll let you hook tomorrow night's show real quick before we let you run and, and let Kelly Moore do the sports. We'll update your forecast. Chantelle Desjardins, she's back in Winnipeg. I, I know they, that's what they call you in Montreal. In Winnipeg, were you just Desjardins? Desjardins? No, I, was, I was Desjardins here. I was Desjardins there. My first day on the job, that's all they made me do was practice my name. Because you're saying it wrong. I used to say it English. Desjardins. <laughs> Desjardins, I no, know. That's not going to fly yeah, here. Okay. Not working. <laughs> Kristen, we've essentially used up all your time. Well, thanks, so thank you for Greg. What a great segue. Well, you know, it's, it's funny. Just as you're about to go to me, guess what my computer decides to do? Oh, it crashed. Of course it crashed. You want to roll over here and you sure. can come read off mine? Uh, sure, if you want. Well, you know, I can... I can read for you. Yeah. Well, um, what I was going to say is basically if you have a... It's in the script right there, so the, the clips are easily accessible because mm-hmm. I never count on technology when it comes to situations like this. Well, off the top of your head, tell us about M- Mother Earth Recycling. Yeah, so this was... Um, actually, this dates back to an interview that I did when I was filling in for Richard on the news and uh, we heard about, you may have heard about this pilot project that uh, the city is doing to recycle mattresses and we spoke with uh, Mother Earth Recycling uh, and uh, they are the business that's taking this in because I didn't know this but 95% of the material in a mattress is recyclable Hmm. and yet uh, according to Jessica Floresco who's the general manager of this place uh, about uh, 40,000 of them are thrown out in Winnipeg every year. I have no 40, doubt. 000. Think about when you drive down a back lane, the number of mattresses you'll see by a uh, garbage dump or a recycling container or whatever, and they're just left there often. And if you go to the landfill, you'll definitely see a ton there. So you 
talked to her, and then something sparked, obviously, in your head. Tristan. Yeah, absolutely. So, and my computer's working now. Yay. So, um, Mother Earth Recycling, it's originally started as a partnership between Neganen Center, Center for Aboriginal Human Resource Development, and the Aboriginal Council of Winnipeg as a place for Indigenous people to find training and job opportunities. Uh, and, uh, well, Jessica Floresco explains who works for them. There's a lot of people that come in, too, that are single parents, and they haven't been able to find full-time work because kids only go to school like six hours a day. So then what do you do with the rest of the time? If you don't have access to childcare, you can't have a full-time job. If your child gets sick, you have to miss a day. And if you don't have work that understands that, then you end up losing your job. So we work with a lot of people that are trying to kind of navigate that system and figure out what will work for them. Uh, we have some people that come in that have some past trauma in their lives and they need counseling. So we try to find supports for them for that so they can go talk to somebody, get past those things, or at least find coping uh, mechanisms. Uh, we also work with a lot of people coming out of corrections. So we work with parole officers, make sure that everybody's checking in when they need to check in and that they know where they're working and that they're showing up every day. Um, and we've had people come in that uh, have addiction problems and they go into treatment while they're here and we work our schedule around what they can come in and work. So if they need to be in treatment two days a week, well then when you're not in treatment, you come to work and we'll make sure that when your treatment starts up next week, you're back in treatment again. And so uh, Floresco uh, also explains why it's so important to have training available because for us showing up on time for work or even showing up for our shift, those are what we might consider basic skills. But as Floresco explains, it isn't actually quite that simple. If you are Indigenous and you come from up north and you maybe don't have your grade 12 and you've never had an opportunity to work because there's no work up there, you can't be expected to all of a sudden come into Winnipeg, walk into any place and just get a job. It doesn't work that way. People like to say, oh, just go get a job, go to McDonald's, go to Tim Hortons. Well, if you come to Winnipeg because you want a job, but you don't have a permanent address, you can't put an address down on your application. How are you going to get a job? There's a lot of things standing in people's way that a lot of people just don't quite understand. And they don't understand that a lot of people have never had an opportunity to work. Some people have never had an opportunity to watch other people work and to learn how to go to work every day, how to show up on time, how to work as a team. And those are really I don't like to say basic skills, but they are basic skills. And that's what we try to make sure everybody here understands before they leave here. Loren, I know you had lots of uh, on-the-job training as a, as a kid growing up on a farm. And, and my dad was an entrepreneur, and, and we always had jobs. And I had a paper route from a very young age. But I, in grade nine, at Isaac Brock School, we had something uh, called a, a, a work program where you could go and work at businesses in the community to see exactly what Jessica's talking about mm -hmm. there. The idea of being on time, taking responsibility for a job, well done or not well done. And these businesses... Even the concept of lunch, right? You think exactly. it's going to be obvious, like, oh, I'm hungry, so now I'm going to go eat. Well, no, some businesses might have a mandated break. Some businesses might be you're responsible for your own time. Everything's different. So if you're 17, 18, or 19 and new to a community or older, it doesn't really matter. But if you've never had it before... You don't really necessarily get those basics. Sounds crazy, but it's true. Well, it's one word that jumps out at me is mentorship, Tristan. Mm -hmm. And again, we're talking about people here. We've all grown up in or around Winnipeg. When you come from northern Manitoba, where it's a completely different lifestyle, completely different uh, way of living, and then you're just you know thrust into Winnipeg, essentially, that really changes everything. 
Uh, and finally, um, what's great about this is that Jessica Floresco has been telling me that they've had some success, and here's the story of one woman who used to work for them and how it turned out. When she first started, she had a criminal record. She had just come out of a detox program. She really didn't have any job experience, and she really didn't want any job experience at that time. She was depressed, angry, didn't want to work. Uh, she heard about this program and thought it could be helpful to get some money uh, to help pay for rent for her mom, who she was living with. She came into the program first few months. It was her hood up all the time, didn't want to talk to anybody, head down. When help was offered, she didn't want to take it, those kinds of things. By the end of the program, she was the happiest, most bubbly person, smiling. She was phenomenal. She was such a hard worker. Um, it just took getting past that phase of knowing that we're here, we're not giving up on people. You can get mad at us, swear at us, yell at us, walk out the door a couple of times, and we'll still be here. We'll still accept you back. You still come back. We'll work through these things, and we'll help you get to the stage you want to be at. Not to belittle, not to belittle anyone, but that sounds like some parenting skills and that idea that you've got someone in your life unconditionally, something perhaps people in this program have never understood or experienced, Tristan. Absolutely. And they offer all sorts of training that, uh, I mean, the way it was explained to me was basically anything we can get in. You know, this is uh, an industrial warehouse, but they also offer food handlers training because mm. you might need it. They offer first aid and um, budget planning and that sort of thing uh, because this really is... And, and on top of that, let's keep in mind, this isn't a nonprofit organization. This is a for-profit business. So they also have to reach a bottom line and they have to figure this out. And somehow they have. They've made a business out of recycling. They've made a business out of helping the community. And they've made a business out of essentially rehabilitating people who have been in jail or who have dealt with addiction. And it's making a huge impact in the Indigenous community. And, and that to me is just amazing to see any organization juggle all that still make a profit, still make an impact, and continue strong. Yeah, they're not a group that's asking for government dollars or grants or nope. whatever. They're just a business. And just tell us again where they are, Tristan, for those of us who I think, and I'm on the list, have driven past it yeah. many times and not really paused to think about, oh, wow, cool, that's happening right here in Winnipeg. Yeah, and so this business is when you drive to the north end through the Main Street underpass, it's basically, it's the first building. It's a modest white warehouse to the right. It's tucked away right next to those rail lines. Mm -hmm. On you, Main Street. Uh, on Main Street, overlooks Main Street. It's easy to miss if you're just driving through and not paying attention to the buildings, but it is right, right there in the middle of the community. How many gonna... people do they employ? I don't know, actually, because it changes, because it, it most people there are, are, are six-month terms, so it rotates all the time. If I had to guess, so it's a couple dozen at least. Wow, and they've helped so many over the years. That's great, yeah. Tristan. Yeah. You're going to share more on this story with us throughout the day? Absolutely, yeah. Jeff Courier will play the full piece at 1045, and I know Kathy Kennedy was in for Hal Anderson. She'll be playing part of it, uh, or the full piece during the afternoon, and Richard and Julie as well. We like to have fun with you, Tristan, but you do amazing work, especially when you do these, uh, when these, you do these specials and these investigative reports. Thanks for sharing this with us. You we betcha. appreciate it very much. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.